is happening, everyone, along with Will Brewer. I am Colby Daniels. It is a UFC pay-per-view week. Will, these are always the best weeks as we get ready for Hamza Chimaev and Nate Diaz on Saturday. A big fight card to talk about from last Saturday with a massive main and co-main event on that Paris card that I thought absolutely delivered. How are you today, my friend? Man, I tell you what, I tried to fight it. You know, this whole Chimaev, Nate Diaz thing. I try to be against it. I try not to be excited about it. I try to, you know, to kind of downplay my emotions for it. But, you know, as as it's drawing closer, as, I, as I'm starting to see some interviews and stuff, I'm, 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 I'm here to say I'm, I'm there. I'm, I'm so excited for this fight. Just what could possibly happen? I mean, let your let your imagination roll. Don't be a uh, don't be a Grinch, as I as I was trying to be with, with this whole uh, Shemayim Nate Diaz thing. Let your imagination roll. This is what the sport's all about. Uh, the storyline is incredible. I'm excited for it. If Leon Edwards can land that kick on Kamaru Usman with a minute left in the welterweight championship, I mean, who knows what could happen, right? Who knows what could happen? I'm not personally going to bet on it, which maybe gives away my pick, but you knew who I was picking anyway. Uh, Minus yeah, look, 11 something. I'm real, I, <laughs> I, feel, I feel a certain way about how this fight is going to go, and I haven't changed the way that I felt about how this fight is going to go. That in no way downs, downplays my excitement level for this fight because if there is one thing you can count on, it's that Nate Diaz is always going to be tougher than any of us expect him to be, right? Even though we know he's one of the toughest in the sport, he's always somehow going to outperform our expectations of his toughness level. Absolutely. Uh, Hamzat's going to be in a fight. Now, uh, whether whether he makes it look easy, whether he uh, whether this is like stretched out over five rounds, whatever the case is, is whatever the case is, Nate's going to be tough, Nate, and he's going to fight him. The question is, how is Hamzat going to approach this fight? I mean, we we don't know. I mean, we, we've seen um, Hamzat look great in his first few fights. We saw him uh, face adversity, but I think uh, this fight could be, it could look easy, or it could be a barn burner. But you know, whatever the case is, Nate Diaz is going to prove to be his toughest uh, challenge to date. I think um, it, it all just depends on how Hamzat approaches it. And we'll see how much he's grown, how much his maturity level has grown. Because, you know, we 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 saw in the Gilbert Burns fight when, you know, he kind of doesn't listen to his coaches and then thing, he just kind of goes off his own uh, off his own thoughts and stuff. I mean, he got touched a few times. So, I mean, Nate Diaz, I mean, we, we we've seen what could happen if he touched you with the right shot. So, I mean, it, it's it's a very interesting fight. I'll put it that way. With this being a main event and with the odds being so lopsided and with Nate being such a big star, it makes everything so interesting. And look, I, I don't know how many people think that uh, this being a five-round fight comes into play at all. Uh, count me in the category that, that would obviously feel different about it being a three-round fight versus a five-round fight, but uh, that's all to come. We will get into UFC 279. Will, we have to start with UFC Paris on Saturday, which, by the way, these international cards, they're awesome, right? Because the people are craving the UFC product, and they're acting as if, you know, it's it's the best thing to happen. They're acting as if it is their Super Bowl, and I absolutely, a lot like the London cards, loved the atmosphere in Paris on Saturday. Yeah, and it, it, like you said, it's something that you see in a lot of these uh, international cards. I mean, they, they crave um, to see these fights. I mean, we saw it in London, uh, same thing in Paris. And then, you know, for to give America some love, I mean, we see a lot of Vegas cars and we've seen a lot of them throughout the, this pandemic and everything. So the UFC has been in Vegas for, uh, for a long time. So, I mean, the, the Vegas crowds probably don't appreciate what they're seeing because they get it so much, but you go to Salt Lake city, Utah, and that crowd, um, yeah. 
in that crowd at 278. I mean. They were. They showed all the all the fighters respect. Jose Aldo got a huge ovation. Uh, 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 Luke Rocco, Paulo Costa. That crowd was it was in was so locked in for that fight. And then uh, the same thing with the with Leon and Usman. So France, they definitely appreciated you know the UFC coming. It's their first ever card uh, in Paris, France, and the UFC delivered with two uh, outstanding fights at the top of the bill, and then the uh, the undercards. Fights on the other card definitely delivered. So, uh, all, all in all, it was a def- it was definitely a very very exciting card, and it capped off with a very very uh, exciting main event. That main event was nails. I mean, I I was on my feet throughout the entire second round. I didn't sit down for the third round either. Um, let's jump right into it. Surreal gone over Tai Tuivasa in round three. He gets the finish. This is what we hope a heavyweight fight is going to be, right? Like big shots landing both ways. It's not. Guys picking and choosing. I mean, those two guys went to war. They both threw big shots. They both absorbed big shots. And uh, I thought the fight was over when Taito Ivasa landed the big one in the second. Um, Surreal Gone has now shown uh, the chin, right? I think we saw the entire arsenal from Surreal Gone on Saturday, including being able to take a massive shot from arguably, right now, outside of Francis Ngannou, uh, the most devastating heavyweight uh, puncher in the sport, right? I think he's surpassed Derek Lewis, at least currently, in that way, as we saw him finish Derek Lewis earlier this year, but um, he took the punch. I thought it was over. Uh, was able to scramble back relatively quickly. Uh, de- delivered a ton of punishment the other way. And dude, from for Tai Tuivasa's part of this, the amount of damage, especially to the body, that he absorbed in this fight. Like I was, I was literally like wincing every time he was getting hit in the body. Like it was, it was a lot. And the fact that he just kept going and kept going, like. There are not very many people walking this earth that could have taken that much. I, I, I mean, it was incredible. Like, way before Ty went down, most heavyweight fighters are, are not lasting that long. It was, it was unbelievable. Um, and the fact that he kept going and kept going until finally Srogan put him away, uh, that was an awesome fight, and I loved every second of it. Yeah, you know, there's a lot to unpack. I, I'm, I'll start with this. You know, Surreal said in the press conference that he was going to be uh, aggressive, that he wasn't going to... Uh, that he was kind of he was gonna kind of be uncharacteristic, and I felt like he was in the pocket way more than we've ever seen him. Yeah. Uh, normally he's on the outside bouncing, kicking, and he did some of that, but he was welcoming uh, the brawl. Uh, and and Ty did a good job of of pursuing him, uh, pressuring him, and, and everything, and not really letting Surreal get comfortable. But it seemed like both guys knew what 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 it was. Like we're about to go out here in this main event, and we're about to put on a show. Um, Ty's got the got he's just got that right style to land a strike on a guy like Surreal Gone, land a big strike. Because he's powerful, he's big, and he's very skilled to be someone who's that who's that big, quick on quick on his feet. So, you know, he caught he caught Surreal out of position. Uh I think Surreal thought he was uh out of out of range. He he tried to use his his arm <laughs> to to get out of range. But, you know, Ty just just clocked him. And, you know, his his legs went like straight up and stiff, and you seen him fall fall down. I thought it was over. Um but but then you saw Surreal in survival in survival mode. Surreal in survival mode. We come to find out he's a he's a terrifying individual because he started attacking that body like his life depended on it. I mean, and and Ty definitely felt it. Like normally you see guys take body shots and they try to hide it, but Ty didn't even didn't even try to hide it. Like he's like, yeah, that shit hurts. <laughs> and somehow, uh, uh, both guys lasted to the end of the second round and then the third round. How about that head kick? 
oh. that Ty basically faked that he was rocked and then tried to come back yeah. with a one-two or something like. I think that's that's uh, come something that Ty likes to do because I feel like Derek thought he had him hurt and Derek would rush in and Ty would you know would catch him with some stuff. So I think that's something that he's been doing uh, in a few fights. But I think Derek Lewis know, that, took that that move from him in in his last fight, which was prematurely ended as well to that point because it's obviously incredibly effective right uh, absolutely uh it's it's incredibly effective uh it, it gives your it gives your opponent like oh i'm gonna run i'm gonna rush in and then that gives you know these big power punches a, a chance to counter um th- that third round though man i mean I, I i set up the second round that might have been one of the rounds of the year i kind of felt the same way about the third uh shrill gun and that head kick was was nasty uh, and then the 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 finishing sequence, uh, that that shot that he landed, and then yeah. like Ty's legs is just turned into jello, and then he lands the follow up shots to take him out. Like that was an incredible fight. We saw Shrill, uh face adversity, uh, a guy who just over these last few fights went. He would go 25 minutes and not really get touched, and he would just you know fight on the outside. And we were waiting uh, for the guy who would go in and uh, and land a big strike on him. And Ty Two of us turned out to be that guy. But it was a it was an incredible fight. And they put on a show for the uh, French fans. Yeah, you mentioned Surreal Gone engaging more and fighting in the pocket more. I appreciated that we saw that from him, but it was it w- it wasn't reckless, right? Like it was more engaging, but it was also on his terms, where he was within his reach, but just out of Taito Ivasa's reach. It wasn't Surreal Gone being out of both reaches and then coming in with his quickness, getting a strike, and backing out. He was he was still safe because Ty couldn't get him, but he was within his own reach to be able to throw. So it wasn't the like throw, throw a shot and then disengage and then come back in, throw a shot and then disengage. It was constantly being within that range where he can continue throwing. And it only takes a little bit for Ty to get within range to land the big shot. Um, how he, like, I, I swear to you, I thought the fight was over when Ty landed the big shot. So now that we've seen Cyril take a shot like that, you know, you have to think like, man, that, that makes the Francis fight even juicier uh, if if that were to happen a second time, uh, or I guess I should say when that eventually happens a second time. Um, he was also rocked on a jab shortly after that, right, from Ty, uh, and, and kept go- coming and, and survived it. And, and getting to finally see Cyril gone in somewhat of a war where he's got to dig down outside of, you know, his comfort zone of just being the superior athlete and mixed martial artist uh, was a lot of fun to see. And Certainly, I mean, he's a guy that we both believe at some point will be a champion in the UFC, uh, will be the heavyweight champion of the world at some point. I don't know when that is. I don't even know that that ultimately means he's going to beat Francis the next time they fight. I just know that at some point that dude is going to be the UFC champ. Uh, on the flip side of this for Taito Ivasa, I mean, look, nobody thought Taito Ivasa was going to reach this level anyway, right? I mean, at one point he was on a three-fight losing streak. He's turned things around. For him to get to this point was somewhat unexpected on its own. But he absolutely, I think, did everything expected. He got in a great fight. He was on the wrong end of it. But in terms of Taito Ivasa now, like, losing stock in terms of having main events or other big opponents of the heavyweight division, I don't think that's that's the case at all. I think he's still going to have a big opportunity against somebody in the, I would imagine top five of the heavyweight division. He's still probably going to get a main event. I would guess if not like a, you know, maybe he prefers a, a three round co-main event on, on like a pay-per-view card or something. Uh, but I, I don't look at this as tied to Ivasa now disappears. Um, he's, he's the kind of guy that Dana White absolutely loves in the UFC, right? He's going to welcome all challengers is going to show up and he's going to fight, uh, the kind of fight that fans love. And, uh, he was on the wrong end of, of maybe the most well-rounded, heavyweight that we've seen in UFC history 
when when you look at Sarogon's entire skill set on top of just his overall athletic gifts. Um, it, it was a fun fight, though, and man, I loved every second of it. That It, it absolutely delivered, and uh, they hit a home run with that one. Yeah, I mean, Ty, uh, that's one of those fights where there aren't really any losers. Uh, I mean, Sarogon gets the win and everything, but Ty's stock doesn't drop at all. Ty is, like you said, he's going to get a big fight. He's still going to get a top guy. Because you know Srilgan is the number one ranked heavyweight right now, and Ty's beaten most of the most of the guys on this rise on this winning streak that he's been on. He's been he's beaten a lot of the guys ranked under him. There's still some some good matchups out there for him uh, if he whenever whenever he does decide to come back. But um, Ty's gonna get a, a a big fight next. I mean, there's a lot of possibilities. I mean, I don't know exactly how long Ty's gonna be out, but you know, there's still Tom Aspinall, there's Curtis Blades. I mean, it it, it all depends. I mean, I think at this point, especially at the top of the division. They're still waiting on what happens at the very top yeah. uh, with the title and everything. But um, Ty Tuivasa's name is not far from from that conversation because he definitely put on a show. Um, both guys put on a show, and that's the type of fight that you want to have uh, when this division is so – I'm not going to say it's chaotic, but there's a lot of uncertainty in the division. And so that's the type of fight that puts both these guys in the good graces of the UFC. Of the UFC. Okay, so two questions here because these are – maybe they're the same answer, but they could be different answers. What do you want to see at the top – of the heavyweight division going forward, and what do you think we'll see at the top of the heavyweight division going forward? What I want to see, I mean, obviously, um, a lot of this depends on Francis and his uh, and his injury, because if he can come back, um, whenever that is, you want to see him defend the title. I mean, of course, they're talking about interim titles and everything, but if we can avoid the interim titles, I mean, me and you both, we hate the, the, the interim title shit as much as anybody. If we can avoid that and get the champion in there to defend the undisputed title, then great. But if not, and we're forced, because this is a legitimate reason to have an interim title, because Francis is coming off of surgery. The fact that we haven't got one yet, it's 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 different. It's weird because we we had an interim heavyweight champion last year uh, uh, in the Surreal God and Derek Lewis fight, and Francis had just became champion five months prior. So yeah. it's it's little it's little weird what the UFC is trying to do. But what I what I want to see, I want to see Francis uh, defend the title. But if that's not uh, able to happen, if we're forced to get an interim title. I want to see the legacy fight between John and Stipe and, uh, you know, Srogan, you know, wait and fight the winner or, or something like something like that. You know, I think Srogan is there. He 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 had such a good performance that he could like intercept things and just kind of work his way in. And he could end up being the one that fights for the interim title or he just goes in and fights uh, Francis in a rematch because it's so it's been so hard to get John and Stipe to fight. I mean, we've been talking about this fight the entire year 2022 and we're in September. So at some point, like these, these guys coming up are going to do enough where it's like, all right, John Stipe, like we love y'all, but I mean, these guys are, are doing enough to where they uh, can fight yeah. for the title. But what I want to see is uh, Francis uh, defend the title against John Jones. If that's not there, then I want to see Jones fight Stipe. Um, but I think it's going to happen though. Um, I definitely think that Francis is going to try to hold off defending the title until he's, until he's right. So they're trying to get this, uh, they're trying to get John to fight in December. I don't think it's going to be against Francis. I do think we'll see John Jones fight either Stipe or Cyril Ghosn for an interim title. And then the winner of that fight will fight Francis in 2023. That's my prediction. Francis isn't fighting in 2022. I think that's fair to say, right? So right. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be at least the beginning of 2023. I've been so anti John and Stipe for an interim since, since like that idea was floated out. John hasn't fought now in almost three years, Will. 
Stipe, for as much as like we want to have an interim champ because Francis might not fight for a calendar year, I mean, isn't that what Stipe did for the final three years of being the champion? Like once yeah. in the summer for a calendar year, and then you'd get him back in the summer once for a calendar year. So like three straight years. I don't want those two guys where you're at the mercy of whether they're going to fight at all potentially like fighting for an interim belt and then whether that means they're next up or what, like I don't want that to happen because uh, we're already on a timeline with Francis injury. I don't want to add two more people that add potentially even longer timelines to progress in the heavyweight division. Um, I am all for gone Stipe or gone John Jones. I do not want John Jones Stipe for an interim belt. Although if we just want to, if we want to headline a pay-per-view with just a five rounder, John Jones, Stipe Miocic, I'm in. Count me in, but it doesn't, a belt doesn't need to be attached to that. And look, the winner of that is obviously getting a shot anyway, right? Like, you don't have to have an interim belt on the line for that fight to obviously produce the next in line to fight Francis. Um, so if we are going to, if we're going to try to make something happen at the top of the division before Francis is healthy, then for me, it's surreal gone versus the first one of those two to accept the fight. Uh, otherwise, it's surreal gone versus Francis and Ganu too. Yeah, so we're we're basically on the same page yeah. here, cause like, I mean, for as much as I love John Jones, I mean, he seems he seems like he's ready to fight now. But Stipe, it just seems like he's good with what he with what's going on in his life. Like he's a yeah. full time firefighter now. Like, uh, I mean, I think he's like, eh, I mean, I could like, you know, I, I just don't know how much he wants it at this point. Uh, I know John's hungry uh, for this heavyweight. Uh, for this heavyweight run, I don't know how much he wants to fight Francis, but I know that John at least wants to. Uh, that's why I think the interim title is going to be involved when John fights, because I think if he can just get a piece of the heavyweight title, I think his legacy will be solidified. Um, but I, I mean, I guess we'll just we'll just have to see, man. Yeah. Uh, but I do think it probably will end up being surreal fighting one of these guys. But I did see that uh, surreal got had a, some type of fracture in his hand, which might uh, mm. take him out of the picture. Uh, who knows? Would depend on how long the recovery is. But I do think that surreal did enough to where he could easily step in if he's healthy. I, w I would love to see Cyril gone John Jones. How, how how would you handicap that fight if you were going to put odds on it? What would you guess they were going to be? I mean, I, I would think that Cyril would have to be the favorite because of his activity. But if, like, stylistically, you still have to respect what John Jones brings to the table. I feel like this would be very close to a pick em okay. out of, like, respect for John Jones and uh, the, the stylistic, you know, his wrestling and everything. You know, actually, it, it, I think it depends on what on what people think is more important, the activity of surreal gone or the wrestling of John Jones. And, um, I think, man, I, if it were me, I would say surreal is a, is a slight favorite and probably like a minus one thirty or something okay. close like that. I would have guessed a little bit more than that, but yeah, I would, I would think surreal's a favorite also, uh, understanding that John hasn't fought in three years, understanding that he's stepping up in weight class and like somebody out there is like, Francis Ngannou completely controlled Cyril Gane on the ground. John's, at, you know, like a legit, like good at that. <laughs> but he's not, I mean, he, we don't know that he can manhandle a guy the size of Cyril Gane, right? Like that's, that's a different thing at this weight class. So um, I don't know. I think it'd be a hell of a fight. I'm in. I mean, if they want to put an interim on that as, and, and make that happen before Francis is, is ready to go, uh, it's a thumbs up for me. And look, I, I'm Mr. Anti-interim unless like it, it, actually has to happen if we're talking about long periods of time where somebody can't fight then yeah let's go for it but i mean it's going to be probably the beginning of 2023 when francis is ready to go which is kind of on par for what some guys like to do anyway right once a year
So <laughs> absolutely, yeah. And I and I feel like if Stipe is not in this equation, well, we haven't heard anything from Stipe in in like a year or in a half or so. Like the last that we heard of Stipe, he had been putting on weight and he's trying. He was trying to get the Francis fight. I think he kind of um, calmed down on that, and now he's like a firefighter and everything. But I, what I feel is going to happen is we're going to get a fight announced. Surreal gone probably against John Jones, and then we're gonna hear from Stipe. And I'm just gonna be like, yeah. why didn't we hear from you sooner? Like you could have had this fight months ago. Like, yeah, like there's yeah. like for as good as Stipe is, for as great as he is, there's just better options. Like uh Stipe is the most accomplished heavyweight ever, but he's not the biggest star. Um right. he doesn't really uh speak well. <laughs> so uh with that being said, man, if you if you get Surreal and John Jones out there, that stylistic matchup, I mean that's a that's a fight fan's dream. So It'll be uh it'll be interesting to see. Gone John Jones. Do you, I mean, from a business standpoint, do you think John versus Gone sells better than Stipe John? Because I'm kind of torn on that. Because obviously Stipe's name is so big that 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 on its own carries a lot of weight. But to your point, he's not, he's never been the most exciting stylistically. So I, I don't know. I I'm I'm kind of torn on on what I think would do better selling wise. Oh, that's a that's a great question. Uh, whew. Um, I, I, like I, I could think, be probably swayed either way by somebody that made a a good argument, but for for either one of them. Yeah, I, I mean, I think um, before this last p- past Saturday, I would have said easily John and Stipe, but yeah. after what we saw Saturday, I think that definitely elevated Surreal Gone in the eyes of uh, of uh, the MMA of the MMA world. So, um, I think since Surreal is what's in front of us now, um, and he's like the He's the next best guy outside of Francis. Like, I mean, we saw Srogan basically was one round away from becoming champion, but he kind of just gave it away. Um, I think, man, uh, I think that at, right now at this point that it's John and, and Surreal. But, um, I mean, it's close, though. It's yeah. very close. I always just have to think, like, you and I are going to watch either fight, right? What, what, what are the casuals more excited by? And that's where I'm torn, because I, I think the casuals would know Stipe probably better than they would know Cyril, but they've probably also, like, you know, not seen Stipe do it highlight style. I don't know. It's, it's, it's it, an interesting debate, for sure. If it's a casual fan, I, I definitely think it's Stipe, just because they probably know his name more, if it's a casual. But um, if it's a hardcore, if it's if it's you and I, like we're going to be torn on it, yeah. and we'll probably lean one way or the other. But it's very very. But close. we're watching but either casual. way, so like yeah, I mean they're going to get our business either way. So for sure, yeah. yeah. So it, and so if it's a casual, I mean it just depends what on the casual, who they know. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Co-main event in the middleweight division. Well, I don't know how you scored this. I had at thirty twenty-seven. Robert Whitaker. I thought he was going to cruise to a win in this fight. Um, he once again just absolutely shows that he's on another level from every middleweight not named Israel Adesanya. I tweeted something on Saturday along the lines of, in another time, there's a world where Robert Whitaker is a longtime dominant champion and is probably in the middle of like one of the great championship runs in the history of the sport. He just happens to coincide with the time that Israel Adesanya is dominating the middleweight division. And while I think the two guys are on probably close to the same level, it's such a bad matchup for Robert Whitaker that, I mean, in a perfect world, they match up so well skill-wise, but Israel's always going to look better in that kind of fight because he's such a problematic matchup. 
Robert Whitaker is so far, I feel like, beyond every other middleweight in the sport. It's crazy, man. Like, he completely dominated Marvin Vittori. And we've seen this, right? Since he lost the belt the first time to Israel Adesanya, he did nothing but completely dominate everybody in his path till he got the rematch. Now he's doing it again. I can't help but like the guy. He's he's so likable. He's so well-rounded and just happens to be in an era where Israel Adesanya is dominating the middleweight division. Yeah, it, it's it's sad because it's like, why did the MMA gods do something like this to someone who's so nice? Like, uh, I mean, he does everything the right way. He's super skilled. Uh, he never complains. Like, he he just goes out there and does his job and goes home to his family. Like, that's the that's the type of fighter. He's a fighter's fighter. You know, he doesn't. He's not out there for for pay per view buys or anything. He's out there to be the best. Um, yeah. When this, when these scorecards were were read, I honestly like you hear Bruce going over the scores. 30-27, 30-27, and I honestly thought he was going to say 30-26. Uh, I wouldn't have been mad at that at all, but he said 29-28, and, and I was like, 29-28 where? Like, when did Marvin Vittori win a round? Yeah. I mean, I guess that first round was kind of close, but I still scored it for Rob. But, uh, yeah, like you said, uh, this this kind of reminds me of, like, John Jones in D.C. Like, these are clearly the two best yeah. guys, yeah. and – just DC, like John Jones is just such a tough matchup for DC because he's so tall, he's so long. DC is at a height disadvantage. I mean, what DC does well, like John can kind of negate in a way, and, and the wrestling it just kind of cancels out. With Izzy and and Rob, like Rob is such a good striker, but he's uh he's at a height disadvantage, he's at a reach disadvantage, and Izzy's uh a more technical striker. For as good as Rob is, Izzy's just that much better than him on the feet, plus having a height and reach advantage. Uh, and and the second time they fought, I mean, we saw Rob. He did some really good things. It was a, it was a close fight. Uh, he, he used some wrestling and everything. He almost took his back, almost land, got a choke in. But, I mean, just that's always going to be a super tough matchup for Rob unless he can control, get a hold of Izzy and control him on the ground. If, if, they're, if they're standing up and fighting, Izzy is going to be winning yeah. <laughs> most of the time. Uh, the way Rob fights, it's just tough for him to get in and get out and to land something. With with Izzy being so far away, it, it almost seems like Rob is is predictable, and Izzy just sees everything that he's gonna do coming, so he has to take chances against Izzy, and that's what Izzy wants. Yeah. He wants somebody to come in and take chances. That's what we saw in the first fight. That's why Izzy got the got that knockout. So, yeah, it's Izzy's just, always it, going to be a in a fight that goes the distance. It's gonna be tough for anybody to score that in favor of Rob because every time there's an exchange, whether he's having success or not, it's going to look like Izzy is getting the better of of those exchanges. It happened in the second fight, right? Like I thought Izzy won that fight easy. I watched some rewatches of it proclaiming Robert Whitaker won the fight. I'm like, I mean, th there's some valid points there, but it's so hard to score that for Robert Whitaker when you're seeing the exchanges because it, again, he, it, he just doesn't match up as well. It looks like Izzy's shots are so much cleaner. Yeah, Izzy's shots are, are a lot cleaner, and he's able to land uh, in a way that, that Rob isn't. Yeah. Like, he's able to chop out his legs um, when he's at distance, and Rob has to, he really has to take chances in order to land anything clean. Uh, so yeah, Rob, Izzy's always going to be uh, a tough matchup for for Rob. There's nothing that's going to change that. I mean, if like if if Izzy was three inches shorter, this would be a much different fight. But the fact that Izzy's got such a height and reach advantage uh, advantage on Rob, it just it makes it tough. Um, but but then you see him against Marvin Vittori, and you see like this fight wasn't even close. close. Rob was never in was never in danger, and he barely got touched. I mean. Um, Vittori landed a few uh, jabs like in the first round, but in the second and third rounds, like those were complete wipeouts. Like yeah. Rob had his way. He was able to dart in and out, land stuff, and just like it kind of seemed like Rob would dart in, land like five five shots on Vittori before Vittori knew like what was happening. 
Like there was a definite speed uh, advantage for Rob uh, IQ, like, and then uh, to, to seal it at the end, he gets a takedown. And and that was something that we thought that uh, Vittori uh, would have an advantage in, but uh, Rob ended up, he, yeah. he took him down very, very easily. So um, yeah, it, Rob is, He's up there, man. He he should if Izzy wasn't around, he would be a, a long reigning champion. And it, it sucks that it's like that. It sucks that he's having to mm-hmm. you know think about going up to two oh five. But you know, that's just the world that we're living in, man. MMA's a, a vicious sport. I thought if Vittori could get him down, I thought that he could probably get top control and I thought he could probably control Whitaker in that way. But as we talked about last week, getting him down is a whole different thing, right? Like I I didn't think that Vittori was gonna be able to get him to the ground. Uh, but if he were able to do that, I thought that he could have controlled him once he got there uh, in top control. But it never, I mean, it never even got to that point because he couldn't do it. He tried it, and Robert Whitaker's takedown defense is so good. On the feet, as we talked about last week, we both thought there was a major advantage for Robert Whitaker, and that was obviously on display. When you look at this division now, um, after Whitaker, who's number one, number two is Cannoneer, cruised to a win over Cannoneer, three is Vittori, just cruised to a win over Vittori. Pajeda's next at number four for Izzy. Um, if I remember right, uh, Robert Whitaker finished Derek Brunson. Uh, I, I think that's been a while now, but finished Derek Brunson. Looking further down, he had that the, the Darren Till fight, to its credit, was actually a pretty good fight. Um, that came down to the fifth round. Uh, he beat Kelvin Gastelum. He's beat Brad Tavares. I mean, I guess for me, the next one seems like it would be Paulo Costa. Um, I, that'd probably be a pretty fun fight, although I think it's it's... Robert Whitaker um, looking really good again, but uh, that's probably next. Unless here's what I want to throw at you: if Pajeda finishes Israel Adesanya, do you just go ahead and give Rob the first crack at Pajeda, or do you immediately run it back with Izzy? Because there's not Man. a lot of great options for Whitaker either. So I'll, I'll say this: um, it, I guess it would depend on how bad the knockout is, because and and how quickly Alex would want to get back in there. Um, this fight is in uh, November for the title. I mean, if if they really wanted to, if if say uh, Pajeda actually did land a big strike and got Izzy out of there early, and he wanted to turn around quick because you know Pajeda's from Brazil. Yeah. There's a there's a January card that's that's supposed to be in Brazil. Why not have Alex Pajeda fight Robert Whitaker for the title um, in Brazil? I think that's a that's a scenario if everything happens correctly. But uh, I think if Pajeda wins uh, and it's not devastating, like say he, it's a it's a TKO or something like that, I think they're going to do uh, the immediate rematch because I think Izzy's earned it. Yeah. But I think the uh, I don't know how much the the two fights in kickboxing uh, are going to play a factor in what the UFC does, but um, if I I think that Izzy's a big enough star to where if he loses at middleweight, that they're going to run it back. So, um, but I wanted to throw something at you about Robert Whitaker. Uh, what do you think? So say, say you know Costa, you know ends up fighting like Hamzat or something like that. What would you say to Robert Whitaker going up and him fighting a guy who needs a fight, and the winner of this fight is is immediately in title contention? What do you think about Robert Whitaker versus Jamal Hill? Because he's a guy who who just who's on the come up, who needs a fight. Who it seems like he's going to be the guy who's kind of left out. It's a big fight. Rob's a big name. And then it kind of it's kind of a win win for both sides. Rob is coming in fighting a guy who's on the cusp of a title shot. So I mean, what do you think about that one? Man, that seems like a big step up because Rob is already on the small side of the middleweight division anyway, right? Like I think he's closer to one seventy than he is to two hundred five. And so you're talking about twenty pounds up. Um, I think you're giving up a lot there. I mean, I don't I don't know what that would look like, but 
if I'm Rob, I don't I don't know that I love that. I mean, if it's not like one of the the like two or three guys in that division, I probably would. I'm probably not rolling the dice if I'm Rob. Yeah, I mean, I don't like the light heavyweight move either, but he does. He seems like he's completely done with 170. Like he he's not even entertaining the the idea of going uh, back down to 170. I think that um, it it would be perfect for him to go down to 170. Um, but you know, it's 15 pounds lighter, so you know, I guess I understand what he's saying. Uh, I get, I know that he would rather you know not have to cut any weight right. and then you know fight you know at, at a natural weight where he's not drowning himself and everything. But um, yeah. I mean, yeah, the Jamal Hill fight's a big ass because he's still going to be at a huge height and reach disadvantage against a guy who's got power, hands of steel. Not, I mean, I know Je- that's Jeff Neal's name, but I mean, Jamal Hill's got a got a rocket for 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 a left. So um, it's a big ask, but I think if if Rob has championship aspirations, um, that is, I mean, let's look at the guys at the top like Jan Blahovich, um, Magomed Akalaev, uh who else is up there? Uh, uh, Glover. It's Glover uh, and Yuri are going to fight for the the belt, Glover, and then Yuri. after that, it's yeah. it's Yawn, and then like Ankalaev, Rockic when he gets back. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, now that I think about it, like those are some big dudes. Yeah, <laughs> man. <laughs> How tall is Jamal Hill? Like six six? No, I mean, uh, I think he's a he's about six four. I, I want to say. Okay. Yeah. I felt like he was bigger than that. But. Johnny Walker's six six, and Johnny Walker looked uh looked pretty. Uh, big, a lot bigger than Jamal Hill on fight day, so. Okay. But yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's a big step up for a guy that's not yet one of the elites at 205, right? So, I, I, I if he's gonna step up, you would want. I mean, or at least this is the way I would look at it. If it were me, if I'm gonna step up that much, it's gonna be to. I mean, one of the guys that's literally on the doorstep. Not, and this is nothing against Jamal Hill. I think Jamal Hill's really good. Um, but I don't think Jamal Hill is where like Jan Blahovich is yet. So. Either yeah, give me fight. either give me the champ or one of the guys that's right there, or yeah, I don't think I would make that move. Well, I, I mean, if that's not the case, if if he's not going to move up, I mean, you could do Paulo Costa. That's the only fight as of now that I see that makes sense, unless he waits for a possible Alex Pajeda, uh championship win, because you know, no, either he's beaten everyone else or they're yeah. coming off a loss and doesn't make sense. So. Rob's you know, in a tough spot right now. A fight I kind of like. It, it would obviously the timing I don't think would work well, but um, Kamara Usman's talked about moving up. I would love to see Usman Robert Whitaker at 185. Yeah, I think that fight would have happened had uh, Rob beat Izzy. Yeah. Um, I think Kamara, like if if there if there's a champion that's not um, Izzy, I think that would be the easy move for him to move up and try to win that title. Yeah. Um, I love that fight with uh with Rob and with and Usman. Uh. I think that um, Rob being so being bigger than him and probably faster than him is going to uh, would bring a lot of problems to Usman. But of course, Usman has that wrestling. But then Rob has like eighty percent takedown defense. Like yeah. Yoel Romero couldn't even get him down. Yeah. So that's a very interesting fight. It'd be fun. It'd be a lot of fun. Um, all right, we'll we'll kind of run through these really quickly because we're at the mercy of time a little bit today. Uh, Nasruddin Amavov with a unanimous decision over Joaquin Buckley. Yeah, man. I mean, Imovov looked good those first two rounds. I think he got kind of tired in the third, but Buckley came on strong. Uh, uh, definitely probably won that third round. It was close, but we saw that um, Imovov being so tall, um, being able to manage distance, did a great job of keeping Buckley at bay. And uh, he seems like he's going to be a tough a tough out for anybody uh, at 185. Uh, Buckley was just at a huge uh, size disadvantage, and he had a hard time closing the distance. But it was a yeah. it was a good fight. It was a tough fight. 
Uh, we thought Kopalov de Kiriko was going to be uh, somewhat of a coin flip. Uh, similar uh, narratives, I think, for both guys coming into this fight. Kopalov gets the finish in round three. Yeah, man, it seemed like uh, Dikitiko was kind of uh, on his way to a victory, and then I think he just kind of let a, let off the let off the gas a little bit, and uh, Kopalov uh, caught him. Uh, I mean, that's that's what happens uh, in this in this game when you're not on your p's and q's at all times, uh, and then you ended up announcing his retirement. I mean, like I said, this was a must win for both guys, yeah. and uh, Kopalov knew that he needed to finish in the third. I did not have the volume up, Will, so unfortunately, I didn't get to hear the pronunciation of uh, the French fighter. Which I I was going with the pronunciation Gomi since he's French. It's or Gomez, I guess, if you want to just like dumb it down to the way we talk here in America. Uh, but uh, we thought this was going to be the t- kind of fight that just you know was a hey welcome to the UFC type thing as a big prospect and he gets the majority decision. Yeah, I mean this was a very close fight. I mean both guys did some really good things. I think uh, Gomi was able to take him down. I think that won him some rounds. But I think uh, that third round was really really close, uh, and and one of the judges scored it a 10-10 in the third. So uh, very close fight. Uh, but you know uh, Gomi's got the edged out by the skin of his teeth. Welcome to the UFC. When was the last time you saw a 10-10 round? I legit Man. can't think of one. The only recently. one that I can think of. The only one that I can think of, and I'm sure there's there, there's might have been one since this, but I remember uh, Frankie Edgar and Gray Maynard in the second fight. Uh, the one of the judges had a 10-10 round. Wow. Outside of that, it's. <laughs> I mean, that was I a completely know. like different era. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was oh. like 12 years. <laughs> uh, Nathaniel Wood, unanimous decision over Charles Jordan. We thought this was uh, going to be arguably as entertaining as any fight on the card, and a uh, big win for Nathaniel Wood in the featherweight division. Yeah, man, big win. I was I was surprised uh, at how he was able to take him down. I was surprised at how uh, I knew the speed would be a problem, but I didn't think that uh, Wood would look so strong. Um, we thought the strength would be on the side of Jordan, and uh, it seemed like all of it, you know, it seemed like Nathaniel Wood was the better MMA fighter on this night. So, uh, and he kind of cruised to a victory. Jordan kind of had uh, a moment or two, but this was Nathaniel Wood all the way. And we've got to mention Nazrat Hakparast and John Macdessy. Originally, this was on the main card. They ended up swapping it with Imavov Buckley, which was originally a prelim. Nazrat Hakparast gets the unanimous decision over Macdessy. Yeah, and you know it was kind of it looked exactly like we thought. It looked like uh, Nazrat was going to be able to land some things where he hadn't, where he hasn't in recent fights because because of the competition. Uh, McDessey being the older fighter, maybe a step slower. Uh, Hakparast just looked like he just uh, was the was the better. Um, quicker fighter on this night. Uh, tough, tough fight for McDessie, but big win for Hackbarass. Get back on track. All right, let's make some picks. UFC 279 from T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. It is Hamza Chimaev and likely the final UFC fight for Nate Diaz, the legend, I guess, that is Nate Diaz. We have five fights on this main card. Uh, was there anything on the prelims that you wanted to pick? Um, no, not anything okay. that I would want to pick. I think Dawood and Arosa is good, good and uh, of course Almeida uh, is is a is a prospect. But I don't think I would want to make a pick. We'd probably be on the same side anyway. Yeah, Dawood Arosa is a fun fight, and yeah, Jelton Almeida. If you haven't seen him already, uh, he's he's on the watch list for sure. All right, so this main card begins in the light heavyweight division. It is Johnny Walker and Ion Kudalaba. Oddshark.com has. Oh, you know what I did? <laughs> I pulled up the wrong UFC card with odds. Oh, man. I had it all ready to go, and then it's the <laughs> wrong one. What an idiot. 
Well, this is this is great, great for the listeners, but we're not gonna fill it with dead air. We're gonna we're gonna be live and direct. That's right. That's right. Um, While he's trying to pull it up, <laughs> I clicked on the wrong one. Give me a break. Uh, all right. How about this? Minus one nineteen for Johnny Walker. Minus one eleven for Kudalaba. Yeah, I, I think that this would pro- that the odds are pretty much uh, the right uh, type of odds. Um, I think both guys are kind of at a crossroads and they're meeting at the right time. Uh, Walker's lost like four or five or five or six, however many it's been, uh, after being a guy who had a lot of um, a lot of uh, he, he had a rocket attached to him, uh, and then he ran into Corey Anderson, and he's uh, he's been on the wrong side of of a lot of uh, fights. You know, he's he he came into the UFC as a guy who uh, was very exciting. And it seems like as of late, he's been trying to uh, build his skill, uh, but he's building his skill against these guys who are already at the top of the division. And it's not that's not the way to, to go. If I'm Johnny Walker, I'm trying to go out there and I'm trying to finish people like I did at first. Um, and Kutalaba is always a tough out, uh, no matter who he's fighting. Um, I For me, it depends on what Johnny Walker we see here. I, I don't know if it's going to be the guy, the reckless guy, because th- I feel like that's the guy that we need here. Uh, I think. The skill um, is still developing, and I think he needs to be uh, he needs to take some chances. He needs to be a little wild. So, um, with that being said, with me not knowing what Johnny Walker we're going to see, I'm going to go with Kutalaba because I think he has more ways to win. I think on the feet, while he may be at a height and reach disadvantage, he still has power, and he can also take this fight to the ground. Yeah. So, I'm going to go with Kutalaba, even though he uh, lost me some points with Ryan Spann uh, last time he fought, but uh, we'll roll the dice and we'll, and we'll go Kutalaba again. Very nice. So I kind of look at this the same way, only my question is, what Ion Kudalaba do we get? Uh, because I completely agree. I think he has more ways to win. I think that there is a path for him to just get takedowns and, and ground control and ground and pound and win the fight that way. But he's also a guy, Will, that gets really wild, right? And loves to get in these chaotic, just brawl type of exchanges. And I think that's to his detriment in this fight. Um, but, you know, he's a guy that I kind of feel like is is... Uh, somewhat of a wild card. You don't necessarily know if you're going to get a strategic Kudalaba or a guy that's ready to go brawl. Um, Johnny Walker, I think, has the ability to end this fight with with just one shot. Um, so give me Johnny Walker. I'll take the other side of it. Um, I like this fight. I think the odds are, are appropriate for what this fight is. Uh, Kudalaba has more ways to win, but I, I'm going to bet on on Walker landing a big shot that, uh, that maybe Kudalaba doesn't recover from. So Johnny Walker for me. All right, fight number two on the main card takes us to the women's bantamweight division. Arena Aldana and Macy Chesson. Oddshark.com has Aldana as your minus 172 favorite, plus 130 for Macy Chesson. Um, yeah, you know, I think uh, Arena Aldana, you know, I when she first kind of burst onto the scene, didn't really know much about her, but I think um, she uh, definitely put put the whole UFC MMA world on notice with that knockout of Caitlin Vieira. She looks really good against uh, Yana Kuniskaya. Uh, I think Macy Cheshon is a step below both of those women that Arena Aldana beat, but I just wonder, um, you know, she's been, she's been injured a few times. So I wonder uh, how much the injuries are going to affect her, but I do think she's the more skilled fighter. She's the more powerful fighter. So um, Ch- Macy Cheshon is probably the bigger fighter, um, yeah, but uh, I think, right? Uh, right. Yeah. She's, 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 she's a tank. But uh, I think Aldana's uh, speed and skill is ultimately going to shine through here. Uh, so I go with uh, Aldana. This is a good fight, and I, I was pretty torn on this one, but uh, I'm going to go with Aldana as well. Um, I think she's been very impressive, especially finishes in, in two of her last three fights, both of those being wins. So Aldana for me. All right, fight number three on this main card is a catch weight of 180 for Kevin Holland and Daniel Rodriguez. 
Oddshark.com has Kevin Holland as your minus 222 favorite, plus 165 for D-Rod, Daniel Rodriguez. Yeah, man, this is a really, really good fight. Very interesting fight. Um, I think that both guys probably haven't fought a guy um, like the other. Um, Kevin Holland, long, very, very skilled. Um, uh, he's going to have the reach, height advantage, but you know, Daniel Rodriguez is very, very skilled with his boxing and everything. I do think this is probably going to be a stand-up fight. Um, I think uh, what I think I would dig a little deeper into this fight if this if both guys had full camps. Uh, I think where I'm going to go, um, and it may be lazy on my part, but I think w- with these guys taking the fight on two weeks' notice, um, I feel like Kevin Holland, um, th- he fights well on short notice. I mean, a lot of the fights that he uh, that he had during the pandemic and everything was on short notice, and he fought really well. Uh, I think Daniel Rodriguez, um, I-, I think the book's still out on him as far as uh, short notice fights, but he's very, very skilled, very talented, but I think that... Uh, uh, I would like him better if he had a full camp, so I'm going to go with uh, Kevin Holland in this one. Two thoughts here. Um, number one, when you have a short-notice fight, I always feel like a guy that like just seems to be pretty game to get in a brawl and can take damage is somebody that I would probably lean toward, and I feel like that's more Daniel Rodriguez in terms of getting in a brawl and taking damage uh, than Kevin Holland. Um, Kevin Holland, I think, is the more skilled striker. I think the length is going to be a problem. Kevin Holland was fighting at 185, before dropping down to 170. Daniel Rodriguez is a welterweight, so this is more at the natural fighting weight of Kevin Holland anyway, on top of the length and everything being a problem. So I think this is going to be a really fun fight. This has the potential to be fight of the night, Will, but uh, I'm going to take Kevin Holland here as well. All right, fight number four, and your co-main event is welterweight Zhang Liang Li, or Li Zhang Liang. I, 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 once again... I can't remember which is the proper pronunciation there and here, so whatever. I'll just say them both ways. Versus Tony Ferguson stepping up from 155 to 170. Tony in the middle of a a losing streak at 155, now making the jump to 170. Oddshark.com has Li Zhang Liang or Zhang Liang Li as your (laughs) minus 275 favorite plus 200 for Tony Ferguson. I'm going to say this to help you out. Um, Yao Ming, that's the person I always think about when it comes to the Chinese names. And his name is Ming Yao, but he went by Yao Ming in the in the league. Uh, his last name w- went first. So uh, Americans would say Li Jingliang, but in his uh, in, in China they would say Jingliang Li. Yeah. Um, so, but as far as the fight, uh, so Yao Ming, Ming is his last name, and Yao is his first name. No, Ming is his first name in Chinese. Okay. And Yao is his last name. Okay. So in the, in the NBA, us Americans do it the other way. Okay. But we say Yao Ming, right? Yeah. So we right. say his and first I'll, name second. Right. So why do we do that? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, because okay. on the back of his jersey, if you ever noticed, oh, yeah. it was always Yao. Yeah. It was never Ming, right? right. So yeah, that's, that's okay. how I always do it or, uh, or know it. Um, as far as the fight, um, I just think that I mean, for as talented as Tony Ferguson is, I think he's on the wrong side of, of things right now. Four fight, losing streak, or maybe it's five. I don't know. Uh, it's one of those. But he's uh, been on, he's been in some tough ones. And um, that knockout, that devastating knockout that he took by uh, by Michael Chandler. And then, you know, it's coming back four months later. I mean, the only thing that uh, makes me feel a little bit better about this is the fact that he's not having to cut weight. But um, he's fighting a, a, a big puncher in Lee Jing Leung. And uh, I'm, I'm not sure how much I like this for Tony. Um, I do think with the change in, in camps and everything, we might see a more um, 
a more strategic and composed Tony Ferguson. We might not see someone who's um, going to try to get into a war, but I think this 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 fight with with Lee, I think the only way that it can be is a war. Uh, I do expect Tony to try to grapple, but um, yeah, I just don't like this. I mean, uh, for for this to be his first fight at 170, I don't like the matchup. This is a tough matchup for him. Lee is a ranked welterweight who's had some big wins and looked really good as of late. So uh, it's a tough one, but I'm going to go with Lee here. Um, I hope Tony wins, but uh, I just don't see it, especially after, you know, the knockout. I I have no idea what to expect here. Um, I will say this. I, Tony Ferguson was fighting really well against Michael Chandler before the kick, right? Like, I scored the first round for Tony Ferguson. I thought, okay, maybe, like, maybe we, we've Tony's found something. Maybe, you know, we're... Not that he was going to be the same guy, but I thought maybe, you know, he's he's found a path to um, figuring things out. And then the kick happens and it's like, oh, man, now it's four in a row. You're stepping up in weight classes. I'm not necessarily the biggest believer in Jiang Liang um, at the welterweight division, but he fights at 170. And I will give him this. He does have power at 170. Uh, Tony's now stepping up 15 pounds. Um Tony's not a big puncher at 155 anyway, right? Like, um, he, he doesn't win by knocking you out. It's it's all the other stuff. And and I wonder when you're giving up that much just size and general and power, how impactful that other stuff will be. Can he control Jiang Liang if it does go to the ground, right? When you think about the, the potential size disadvantage here. So those are questions on top of the fact that, I, like, at this point, if, if Jiang Liang is landing, like, I, I feel like that could potentially end the fight. Um, man, this is a tough, I, I, I really don't know what to expect from Tony here, but I, I, I would be, I feel like somewhat foolish to, to bet on Tony in this case. I'm not going to say that he can't win this fight. Absolutely. Cause it's Tony Ferguson and the guy's, uh, you know, got a screw loose. Like he might will himself to victory, but, uh, I, I just, I, there's no way I can actually bet on it. Cause I, I have no idea what to expect here. So it's going to be Jiang Liang for me in this, uh, in this co-main event, but man, it would be awesome to see Tony, uh, get a win after four straight L's. It's been, sure. a, been a tough run. All right, well, our, uh, I was about to say our heavyweight, our main <laughs> event for UFC 279 is Hamzat Chimaev and Nate Diaz, oddshark.com. Have you seen the odds before I say it? No, but I, I'm, guess? I'm assuming, I'm assuming it's in the thousands, like minus, um, minus 1050, uh, for Hamzat. Minus 1200 for Hamzat Chimaev, according to oddshark.com, plus 700, for Nate Diaz. Whew. I mean, the odds are warranted, man. Uh, as much as I hate to say it, like, look, we, we're going to hear a lot of comparisons to the Conor McGregor fight for, for the Nate Diaz side of things. And this it's just for people to make people believe that uh, Nate is, has a good chance to win. Now, I'm not going to rule it out and say Nate has zero chance to win because, you know, we've seen crazier things happen. But Nate has a chance to win. It's I think it's a very slim one, though. I think it all depends on how Hamzat approaches this fight. I think Hamzat can make it as easy as he wants, or he can make it as hard as he wants. It all depends on how he wants to approach it. Um, like the way I see it, uh, Nate is a blown up lightweight, not cutting weight, and Hamzat is a guy who cuts a lot of weight to get down to 185 or to get down to 170. I mean, I'll never forget that picture of him standing next to Jack Hermanston, who is a 185er, <laughs> yeah. and he looked uh, clearly bigger than him. Yeah. Um, after I saw that, I was like, oh, yeah, this guy's probably going to run through everybody at 170. He's too big. Um, and uh, fought well against Gilbert Burns uh, in a fight that I felt he made tougher than it had to be. 
Um, and I feel like if he hasn't learned from that, it could this fight could be tough too because we know this about Nate Diaz. He's got great boxing and he's got great jujitsu. Outside of that, like in terms of striking defense, in terms of takedown defense, in terms especially in terms of leg kick defense, it's non-existent. <laughs> so uh, Hamza takes everybody down that he's fought. I feel like that's a clear path for him to win. But if he wants to put on a show for the fans and fight Nate where he's best at, go ahead. You know, see how that works for you. Yeah. Uh, that you you're giving Nate a chance to win. But uh, I definitely feel like Hamzat has a clear path to victory should he choose to uh, pick up Nate Diaz and take him over to Dana White and talk some shit. I feel like he could easily do that because Nate is uh, not the biggest guy in the world. So my pick's gonna go with Hamzat. I'm not gonna dig too deep into this fight. Uh, I do think that uh, Nate's a guy who rises to the occasion. He's a guy who's got slick jujitsu. He's not a guy who has power, but he's a guy who knows how to land the right shot. There's a huge difference between the, between the, those two things. Um, landed the right shot against Leon. Landed the right shot against Conor McGregor, and it changed the whole fight. I will say the, the, these fight these strikes that Nate lands happen when the other guy is tired. Uh, so we'll see how Hamzat approaches the fight. If it if it turns out that it goes into the later rounds, we'll see um, how what Hamzat looks like because we only, we've only seen him fight, fight three rounds. But it, it's it's a very interesting fight. But I think that this fight's gonna go how um, Hamzat chooses for it to go. So I pick Hamzat. I'm going Hamzat as well. Um, I, you said something. You don't want to dig too deep into this. I feel like if you're going to pick Nate, that's kind of what you have to do, right? You have to really dig deep into this. It's been suggested that the reason Hamzat didn't go to the ground with Gilbert Burns is because he was worried about his jujitsu, right? So I guess if you want to do like MMA math, could could he be worried about Nate Diaz jujitsu simultaneously? If he's not, is there the path for Nate to just get a submission at some point if if this is on the ground? Um, to me, that feels like a long shot compared to Hamza just controlling him on the ground. But I guess that is a path potentially for Nate Diaz. Where I would get worried is if we get into the fourth round and Nate Diaz is still there, right? Because Hamza obviously looked like he was fading from a gas tank standpoint against Gilbert Burns. Now, granted, I feel like Gilbert Burns has a lot more power than Nate Diaz. So maybe those shots were more draining than the shots that he might absorb from Nate Diaz. But to your point about the Leon fight, like, Nate Diaz is just tough as shit, and if you haven't put him away by rounds four and five, he might just beat you because his gas tank and his will to go the distance is more than yours. And we've not seen Hamza Chimaev 24 minutes into a fight, right? There might be nothing left at that point where everything's out the window, and it's just a matter of Nate being able to stand up and Hamza not being able to stand up. So I would be pretty concerned if this thing starts getting deep into the fight, uh, what direction it's going to go. Um, but you would imagine, even if that's the case, Hamzat would be way ahead on the scorecards. Um, I can't imagine Nate just, like, finishing him on the feet. Um, I mean, if, if again, Gilbert Burns, I feel like, has a lot more power, and, and Hamzat took some pretty good shots from Gilbert. Um, I also don't know that I just think that, that Hamzat's going to sleep Nate. Um, Nate is as tough as they come. I think he's going to wear some damage. Um, but where I see, you know, if there's going to be a finish, where I see it happening is Hamzat mauling Nate on the ground. Um, again, is there maybe something in the back of his head that makes him concerned about Nate's jujitsu and making the wrong move at the wrong time and opening that door for Nate having a path to victory? I don't know, but uh, to your point, I'm not overthinking this. I feel like this is going to be a Hamzat mauling. Uh, I love Nate Diaz, um, but again, probably natural weight class is 155. Hamzat's natural weight class, I think, is 185. Um, Nate's Nate's up in normal weight class. Hamzat's cutting a lot of weight. Um, 
you know, even if the jujitsu is a threat, I just feel like just size and power should should equal him. I think manhandling Nate on the ground if if that's where the fight takes place. But if we get to the fourth round, I would be like, okay, what's like this is interesting. What's going to happen? And look, the one thing that Nate Diaz has that you can never take away from him is uh, toughness. So um, Nate could win this fight just because he's so tough that he gets late in the fight and Hamzat runs out of gas. But this is a Hamzat Chemaev win for me, and the odds are the way they are for a reason. So Hamzat Chemaev is my winner. So for, for me, man, I mean, I would love to see Nate throw up a submission. Like He's very dangerous on the ground, but... When he fought a true 170-pound guy, I always think back to when he fought Roy McDonald, and Roy McDonald had his way. And this was a young Nate Diaz who was probably more athletic, who may not be a seasoned on the ground, but he, I believe he was still a black belt at the time. But um, Roy was ragged on him, and I kind of expect the same thing because Hamzad is a is a way more uh, vicious wrestler, if that makes sense. Like those yeah. Dagestani guys are, are just ruthless. So It's like Khabib, right? Um, he wrestles with bad intentions, not to just control you. Absolutely. He's going to be throwing shots yeah. uh, while he's on the ground with him, um, which may leave him open to for Nate to, you know, wrap up an arm bar or something. You never know. But I think that a lot has to happen for Nate to get this win and little has to happen for Hamza to get the win. I think um, if I had a guess, I'm not sure. I don't know if he's going to get a finish like an, a, a knockout, but I can definitely see um, this fight being on the ground and Hamza mauling him and landing a whole bunch of strikes and the ref like calling it off that's kind of what i think is going to happen but um you never know so i mean that's why this sport's so special yeah or nate's gonna have a lot of fans um the crowd's gonna be going crazy for him but once they close that door yeah it's just it's just mano y mano so not all finishes because the guy that loses gets put out right it's sometimes there's a finish because the referee's job is to save a fighter from his own toughness exactly and i I, yeah i'm with you that's the way i i I see nate just taking a lot of damage and at some point it's like okay that's enough and and that's it nate will probably be pissed about it because exactly yep that's kind of hit what he has in terms of advantage over most people that he fights is he's tougher than basically everybody else so should be fun man i'm excited for this fight card obviously we have contender series tonight um you know as we uh as we uh, get ready for this fight week and, and uh, watching all the coverage and press conference and weigh-ins um, by, by week's end, this thing will be big time because uh, I feel like if anybody can sell a big time fight, it's Nate Diaz. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I don't know if you've watched Nate Diaz's interview that he did uh, earlier today or that came out today. If you haven't, I haven't yet. It's a, it's a must watch. Okay. I'll, I'll leave it at that. I'll check <laughs> it out. All right, buddy. That is Will Brewer. I'm Colby Daniels. Everybody have a great week. Will, we will catch up this weekend. Yes, sir. Podcast is over.